You're listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 41. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hello, everybody. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, build real wealth, so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and today's episode is titled, How Does Your Net Worth Compare to to your peers. But before we get to that topic, I want to take a second and thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you have any questions at all, please email me, scott at bestandwealth.com. By day, I am a certified financial planner and principal of Fortress Planning Group. And I read a stat the other day about people who call themselves financial planners. And I want to talk about that statistic in a second. But before I do that, I feel as though I need to explain a couple things. You see, I'm proud to say that the firm that I built is completely independent. I'm proud to say that the firm I built, Fortress Planning Group, is a fee-only firm. I'm proud to say that I am a fiduciary. I'm proud to say that I am a certified financial planner. However, the average person doesn't even know what any of that means. In fact, words like fiduciary, fee-only, independent, man, those words don't even sound good. Sounds like a guy who charges a bunch of money and don't even know what fiduciary means. Really? I mean, what does that mean? In fact, you see, most people lump all financial planners, everybody in the financial industry in the same boat, which frankly is a boat filled with slimy people who are going to try and sell me something. So we run as quickly as we can from the financial advisor. But I want to explain two really quick things to you. I know I gave you a big list of fiduciary, fee-only, independent, CFP, certified financial planner, but I just want to explain two of them. The first is, what does it mean to be fee-only? Because really that word doesn't sound that good. And quite simply, when I set up my firm, there's three different ways that I could have chosen to get paid. I could have worked on commissions. I could have been what's called fee-based, or I could have been what's called fee-only. I chose fee-only. So the commission is real easy. When advisors, and many, many advisors work off of this model, sell you a product, they receive a commission for selling you something. A lot of times it's an upfront, nice commission, and then some sort of trailing commission that the company pays the advisor for selling their product. That's what it means to work on commissions. On the other side of the fence is what's called fee only. What this means is any advisor that is labeled a fee only advisor means they never, ever, ever collect a commission from the company whose products they suggest or advise that clients get into. 
You see, I believe that's a conflict of interest. If I were to get paid a commission for recommending a product to a client, well, I might be swayed to recommend the product that paid the largest commission. So fee-only advisors only get paid from the clients themselves. And generally, it works as an assets under management model. Typically should be around 1%, depending on the asset level, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. And if the assets are great enough, it should be a lot less. There are other fee-only models as well, but that is the most common. Then you have what's called fee-based. And fee-based sounds so much like fee-only, you think it's kind of the same thing. But really, somebody who is fee-based may be getting paid by the client through some sort of assets under management model. And at the same time, collecting commissions from the products they recommend. They're actually collecting from both buckets. And if all I cared about was the money and I set up, when I set up Fortress Planning Group, I would have set myself up as a fee-based, right? But I have a problem here. I do have something called integrity, which means, of course, I was going to set myself up in a fee-only manner. Okay, that's number one. Number two thing I want to tell you about is certified financial planners. What are they? Simply put, when I became a financial advisor, all I really needed to take was one test that really wasn't that difficult. For me, it was the Series 65, and boom, now I am Or now, according to the government, I can dispense and charge for financial advice. I decided to take it to a completely different level, which meant I went back to school. I went to Xavier University and took all kinds of classes on investment planning, insurance planning, estate planning, retirement planning, financial planning theory, all of these classes to gain a much deeper understanding so I could provide holistic wealth management for clients. So after taking all those classes, I needed to not take a little test, but a big test that was two days and 10 hours long. I'm not exactly sure what the pass-fail rate is, but it's around 50%. Thankfully, I passed my first time. And why am I telling you all this? It's because a stat that I read, and just to show you that all financial advisors are not set up the same. So according to NAPFA, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, fee-only advisors, over 320,000 people call themselves financial advisors in the United States today. And incidentally, I got this stat from another website. I cannot tell you for sure that these numbers are completely accurate. I'm just reading from a site. Again, 320,000 people call themselves financial advisors. Man, one might think why I ever got into the business in the first place. That's a lot of competition. But of the 320,000, only 75,000 are actually certified financial planners. They actually went back to school after they already received their bachelor's to take classes in financial planning. They have at least three years of experience in the field. They took an oath to act as a fiduciary, and they passed that gruesome 10-hour exam. 75,000, that's 25%, little less, of the 320,000 people that call themselves financial advisors. Let's take it a step further. Of the 320,000 people, 
only 5,500 of those people are considered fee-only and certified financial planners. That's less than 2% of the total amount of people that call themselves financial advisors in the first place. So my question to you, are you working with a certified financial planner? And even more important, are you working with a fee-only certified financial planner? And according to this statistic, if it's true, less than 2% of you probably are. Let's get to the topic of the day. How does your net worth compare to your peers? You know, ask most people what their net worth is and they probably don't know. Show them how to calculate it and instantly they want to know how they compare to their peers. What about you? Do you know your net worth and do you know how you compare to your peers? Today, we're going to find out. But before, I got to lecture you a little bit because remember, this journey you're on to build wealth, to build your cornerstones, to build abundance within your cornerstones, whatever they might be, your family, your career, your friends, your spirituality, your health, your inner self, whatever it might be. Remember, this journey is not all about the numbers. This journey is about building abundance in your cornerstones, period. Now, your finances could be one of those cornerstones, and those finances are important because they allow us the time and the resources to actually build the abundance in the cornerstones. It's not the end-all, be-all. People with a high net worth are not necessarily happy, not even close. In many ways, viewing your net worth is like watching your weight It's healthy to set some goals and make sense of your current situation. And comparing yourself to others might help just to give you a snapshot of where you are right now, just to give you a feel for where you stand. So remember that net worth is not your end-all, be-all. And I've talked in a few episodes already how to calculate your net worth, but I'm going to go over it real quickly one more time. Your net worth is calculated by taking everything you own, all of your stuff, your cars, your house or houses, your investment portfolios, etc. Add up everything you have and then subtract that number from everything you owe. Like your college loans, your home mortgage, your credit card debt, your vehicle debt, money you owe, Uncle Billy, all of it. Add up all you owe. So take a minute and think about everything you own and everything you owe. The things that you own are called assets. They go on one side of the sheet. And the things you owe are called liabilities. They go on the other side of the sheet. So when you're not driving in your car listening to this podcast, go home and list all of your assets and all of your liabilities and simply subtract your liabilities from your assets and boom, that is your net worth. That may be a positive number. Hopefully it is. For some of you, it may be a negative number. You may owe more than you own. Once you know what that number is, now you can try and figure out where you stand. Back in 2011, the U.S. Census Bureau published a report breaking down the median household net worth by age and in quantiles. So I'm going to go over two different 
potential net worths, okay? First is just by everybody using this census. But I bet you, most people that are listening to this podcast, you are not average. You are above average. So I'm going to give you two numbers during this episode, one for the average person, one for the above average person. And I'll detail what I think an above average person is. So the numbers on where you stand now came from the 2011 Census Bureau. They broke it down into age groups. So how do the numbers look? And I'm going to use the average at the 50th percentile. So the number I give you, it means that 50% of people are above this net worth and 50% are below. If you're under the age of 35 and you have a net worth of $7,000 and above, you're better than 50% of the population. With ages between 35 and 44, $35,000 is the magic number. Above it, you're better than 50% of the people. Between 45 and 54, that number goes to $84,000. For the folks listening between 55 and 64, if you have a net worth of $144,000 or above, you're better than 50% of the population. And those that are 65 and above, that number goes to $171,000. What does this mean? Some of these numbers might blow you away. For many in the older age categories, the value of their house and property account for a large amount of their net worth. But your house can't pay for things like food and health bills and retirement. And I think that's why you read the statistics that a large portion of the population rely almost exclusively on Social Security to pay for retirement. But I know if you're listening to this podcast, this isn't you. Or you're looking to change right now. So let's look at the above average person. And when I'm talking about above average, and I found this from the Financial Samurai blog, the above average person is loosely defined as someone who went to college and believes grades and good work ethic do matter. The above average person is not someone who irrationally spends more than they make. There's someone who saves for the future because they realize at some point they no longer are willing or able to work. The above average person takes responsibility for their own actions when things go wrong and learns from the situation to make things better. They take action by tracking their net worth, minimizing investment fees, managing their budget, and staying on top of their finances, period. Because once you know where all your money is, it becomes much easier to optimize your wealth and make it grow. The above average person welcomes constructive criticism and is not overly sensitive from friends, loved ones, or strangers in order to keep improving. Above average people keep an open mind. The above average person has a healthy amount of self-esteem to be able to lead change and believe in themselves. And finally, the above average person enjoys empowering themselves through learning, whether it be through books, personal finance blogs, podcasts such as this one, magazines, classes, continuing education programs, the list goes on. Is that you? Are you an above average person? I bet you are. And if you are, you need to forget about those numbers I just gave you. 
because you're on a whole different path. You're taking responsibility. You know you want to build abundance within the cornerstones of your life. So what do these numbers look like? Well, if you're 25 years old, the above average person has an average net worth of $79,000. At the age of 30, that number goes up to $250,000. I'm going to keep going for every five years. At the age of 35, the above average person has an average net worth of $429,000. At age 40, $660,000. At the age of 45, the above average person has a net worth of $914,000. As you can see, these numbers are well above the average from the Census Bureau in 2011 because you are above average. What about 50? Are you 50 years old right now? or at least around that age. Well, if you are, the above average person has a net worth a little over $1.2 million. Are you 55? If you are, and you consider yourself above average, your net worth should be around $1.68 million. When you get to age 60, we get above the $2 million dollar mark, $2.1 million. What about 65? That seems to be that magical age when you're going to begin your golden years, however you are defining your golden years. At the age of 65, the above average person has a net worth, an average net worth of $2.8 million. And do you remember the last number I gave you in the Census Bureau? The average net worth was $171,000 for the average person in the 50th percentile. But that's not you. That is not you. Because you're strange, you're different, you're listening to me on a financial podcast right now. You are above average. And my question to you is, where do you stand? Are you right on track for the above average person? Or do you have work to do? And keep in mind, friends, keep in mind, this is only a snapshot. I meet with couples all the time. There are couples with a $3 million net worth that have expenses that cannot support that small of a portfolio, even though to you that might seem like a big portfolio. There are other couples I meet with that have a million dollars or less. And they can easily support their lifestyle. And they can easily build abundance within their cornerstones with the amount of money that they have. Because that net worth is just one piece of the puzzle. And the puzzle is large, my friends. There are so many different things that will impact whether or not you can have the retirement that you want, whether or not you can build the cornerstones in your life that are most important to you. But having that snapshot allows you to say, hey, I think that I am where I need to be. Or it helps you inject that into a comprehensive financial plan. Or it might tell you that you got some work to do. And that's okay too. 
because this is a journey and there's different times in your life when you can afford to put your pedal to the metal and start really saving and getting aggressive with the amount of money that you're saving and staying disciplined and having a long-term approach so that you may build the cornerstones in your life, everything that is important to you. Because when you're lying there on your deathbed, you want to say, I did it. I filled my cornerstones. You do not want regrets, period. Hey, I've run out of time, so it's time to go. I will see you on the flip side. Bye-bye. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.